Pulp MX Network production. You cast me, I'll complete me till What's up, guys? It's Alex Gray, and you're listening to the Pulp MX Wrap-Up Show. That's all we need is more fake news, Pulp MX bullshit. It's quality, not quantity. All right, man? All right, what's up? We are back with another episode of the Pulp MX Wrap-Up Show for episode 381, the live New Jersey show, and uh, Monday night's 382 with Daniel Blair in studio. I want to thank all the Pulp MX sponsors got Atlas Brace, FMF Racing, Roost Graphics, W Wheels, Guts Racing, Get Data, Firepower Batteries and Chains, EVS Sports, Eagle Grit Hand Cleaner, MotorcycleIndustryJobs.com, LAHondaWorld.com, BTO Sports, Fly Racing, Vertex Pistons, Vortex Racing, Race Tech, Michelin Starcross Fives, Maxima Oils, X-Brand Goggles, Works Connection, Rod Engineering, and OGO. All right, we got a couple of hot guests tonight. They are superstars of the sport. Brought to you by WUSA, providing the best quality wheels in the business. Whether you race professional supercross or just a weekend warrior, W Wheels has what you need. W can even restore your old wheels. Visit WUSA.com and let John and Kristen Anderson take care of you. So WUSA brings us the one and only Alex Ray. What's up, A-Ray? Uh, not much. Uh, just uh, just enjoying it, you know, enjoying the last week, and uh, and yeah, excited for the weekend. Dude, I'm so stoked for Vegas. This is my very first Vegas finals. I cannot wait. Oh, oh. man! It, well, you're just are you are, are they going to let you into the the monster after party? That's 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 going to be interesting. I'm going to have to find a hookup because I don't think I have the swag to get get in. To be honest. It's easy to get a wristband, but not the the good wristband, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I'll have to figure out. I'll, I'll, I'll have to corner Justin Hill and say, hey, just to piss off Mathis, hook me up. Maybe that'll work. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> All right, and also brought to you by Guts Racing. If you're looking for a high-performance seat cover and foam, Guts Racing is it. Andy Gregg and Guts are providing seats for many of the best riders in the world, so visit GutRacings.com today, and they bring you the one and only Daniel Blair, main event moto. What's up, DB? What's happening? I can't believe I committed to this, man. I If I would have known that Steve was going to pull a five-and-a-half-hour show on Monday night, yeah. probably wouldn't have committed to this one. Because now I have to review the five-and-a-half-hour show. Bad decision on my part, but uh, so let's do it. I think it's going to be fun, yeah, man. Yeah, just got to... He's got to talk more shit about the shit that he talked on that show. Exactly. <laughs> Alex, I want to apologize to you up front, too. You know that I I love you, right? I'm just playing. You're easy. You, you weren't too harsh. You weren't too harsh, honestly. You just said I was buying rims. <laughs> Did you buy rims? No, I wasn't buying rims. Buying something uh, else. I, you just you just come across to me as someone who would lose your wallet on, a, on an airplane. You would buy rims if you somehow got a little extra cash. I know you well enough. To, you just seem like that kind of guy. But I just want you to know I'm just poking fun. I love you. Lose his uh, motorcycle I, I in the back of his mad. truck twice. Yeah. Yeah, lose that a trucks. Dude, yeah, lose what? a couple trucks, a couple motorcycles, you know. That's, yeah. that's gut-wrenching. Yeah, you know, I'm, I guess I'm just an easy target. I do it to myself sometimes, but well, whatever. 
before back one of these days. So before we get into the show too much, then just talking about that. I mean, look, A Ray, you've been a part of the Pulp MX show for a long time. Uh, you, we, you and I have talked a little bit. You know, the the Caddy Wampus thing got brought up, and then it blew up into this big thing. And and people on social media bust you and fuck with you constantly. Uh, and you've gotten to where you're starting to block people. Um, <laughs> how much does that really affect you? Is it just annoying, or I mean, come on, if somebody's busting all you on on you all the time, at some point, it's got to wear on you a little bit. Uh, yeah, you know, like at first, it wasn't it wasn't too bad. Uh, you know, it was actually funny. It was a joke and everything. But then, like, I don't know, some people, I guess, just take it a little too far. You know, the you know they say stuff like on race day or like just right. stuff, and then then you know, like that's. You know, about it, I'm like, man, I don't want to be known as that type of guy. So, like, yeah. I just sort of like blocking it out. And then the more and more I seen it, I guess it just started to irritate me more and more. But, uh, but for the most part, I guess you know most people are just joking. So. Yeah. Daniel, what do you think about that kind of negativity? I mean, there is a line at some point. You like to bust balls on the main event show all the time. You did it on Pulp, uh, messing with Zacho quite a bit. But there is a line at some point. No. No? There's no line. Okay. No. There's no line. Uh, well, there is. You just need to know it for each person. Like, I, I know Zach well enough to where I know I can take little shots at him, like the Thai food thing and um, just the whole Savasi thing, dude. Like, I mean, honestly, it, we don't talk about that. I don't think we talked about it enough, but that was like the most devastating thing that could have ever happen to a dirt bike racer is to have a championship ripped from you with 10 seconds to go. And Zach's the nicest dude ever, so I just yep. like to continually bring it up because, I mean, he ruined someone's life that <laughs> night. And I mean, that's, that's, honestly, that's honestly probably worse than Fortner's this week, this past weekend. Oh, yeah. Oh, way, no, 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 way worse. I mean, honestly, <laughs> if you're, I mean, I hate, I, I love Savachi, dude. I'm, I'm a big supporter of his. Dark side, you could back me up. I've been all about him through thick and thin, but dot, dot, dot. That was, like, really, really bad. And Zach being, like, the nicest dude ever, I just I feel it's fun to just give him a hard time over the fact that he destroyed another human's life. So <laughs> you just got to know the right topic and the right person, and, and it's fine, dude. But it's all good fun. And like I said, if I'm not busting your balls, I probably don't like you that much. Yeah. So, hey, Ray, again, I apologize, but I like you, and that's where it comes from. <laughs> from my heart, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, we go way back. Well, let's get into these shows. Um, I don't know if either one of you listened to the the live New Jersey show, the 381. Um, we'll probably touch on it just a little bit, but uh, 382, man. Um, overall, Daniel, you're in studio, so I want to get ask you, Alex, what did you think of the episode as a whole with Daniel as a host? Daniel's always a good host. You know, I mean, anytime you have a you know a, a guy of, of his. I don't know, knowledge of the sport or anything, it, it, it makes for a good show. And I was honestly um, impressed by Will. Um, I listened to her interview, and, and she had, she, it was just so, I guess, I don't know, maybe it was, maybe it was her voice or something, it was kind of hot, but I don't know, it was, just, it, was just, it, was, it was nice to, it was nice to switch things up and listen to something like, something like that, you know, from her point of view as well. Yeah. Coming, you know, into a sport that she didn't know not much about, and then was was talking, you know, about the sport and how she sees it and her views on it. So yeah, that that, was cool. that that comment right there tells me that Alex Ray does not listen to the Moto X Pod show because we've already had Will on. But that's okay. We'll move on. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't listen to that episode. I guess that's all right, uh, Daniel. Yeah, he he's heard every other one. He right. missed yeah. that one. So <laughs> the only episodes he's heard are the interviews we've done with him. 
exactly but all right so daniel sitting in studio man it's a whole lot different i'm sure like okay the show's long it's five hours that that episode was one of the longest ones how's it go how quick does it go when you're sitting in studio it goes by a lot quicker Uh, i don't listen every weekend and i'll i'll be honest and hopefully steve doesn't get butthurt over this but the freaking show is long, and sometimes I I just can't get started because I don't I don't like to not finish things that I start. You know what I mean? Yeah. And sometimes I'm like, God, I, I can't. I, I don't have the time this week. I'm backed up. Like I can't get started. So I'll skip. But sometimes if there's a really good guest or someone that just entertains me, then I'll, I'll plow through. But they are they are long, and I give people credit for. You know, hammer it out. Even though I don't think people listen to the whole thing in one shot. If they do, you guys are crazy. Like that's that's a that's five hours straight. You must be driving or a trucker or something. So for me, it is long. When I do listen all the time, I break it up and I'll get you know halfway through, and then a couple days later, halfway through. Gotcha. But when you're in studio, it doesn't feel that long. Like I look down at my clock and I'm like. Hey, we're almost done with this thing, and I guess it's because it is happening live. Yeah, you're in the moment. Steve, Steve's super fun, like in studio, like you know what I mean. In studio, it doesn't feel that gnarly, but it's it definitely is. It, I mean, if you're listening five and a half hour show, you you, you got to be committed. Oh and, yeah, uh, it, it's a completely different vibe when you're there. Right. Um, okay, so the show started off with Daniel being late because of his flight. Um, JT came on right off the bat, and the question came up is, you know, for for the pro riders throughout the night on Monday night, who who would you pick? Whose career would you pick? Um, and there weren't any really guidelines he, that Steve gave, and then, of course, JT waffles as he sort of does, but um, I like the way he answered. Um, A-Ray, he, JT picks uh, McGrath. I think that's a pretty pretty obvious pick it's a pretty good pick he had a pretty great career what do you think about mcgrath as a pick was that too easy or is that just i mean it's too easy because it's the right pick i mean it's a given i mean like you have the best of everything when when you have mcgrath career i mean you have the parties in Kenyon lake you have the wins you have the money you have you know, that era, you have, like, all the chicks that you want. Like, <laughs> just everything, bro. Like, everything into a kind of one. Like, I I, could, I couldn't think of anyone else. I mean, yeah, you have Ricky, who had an amazing um, season. You have Stu that had an amazing season. Yeah. Those guys, they were stressed. They were working hard. Like, McGrath, he had it He had it good, man. Like, <laughs> right. He had it good. And for Kiefer to say, Travis. Oh, my oh, God. God. He was drunk. Uh, I mean... <laughs> something I don't know I mean yeah Travis has fun Travis does a lot of cool stuff which is absolutely amazing but dude like you have to be I mean there's not that many people in the world that have that such high of pain tolerance tolerance you can go through or endure that much pain you know so yeah I mean I'm I'm MC I'm, I'm with JT on that one and Daniel um did you think I, I forget who did you pick who was your guy I I started with Dungey because yes. I'm thinking well, me as an individual, I respect Dungy probably more than anybody in the sport. Just where he started, yep. who he became, what he's done after. Like, I mean, honestly, I have a nine-year-old son. And by the way, I said eight. Someone someone called me out this week. They're like, "Dude, you say your son's eight and nine back and forth. What are you like a real peewee parent?" No, like seriously, he's nine years old. He's AMA eight years old. I get confused because he just <laughs> turned nine. So just to clarify to the idiot who direct messaged me. Like, uh, I'm not trying to cheat with his age, all right? right. He's nine years old, four, five, ten. It's his birthday. Write it down. 
No, Seems but like 120 as a dad, or something. yeah, as a dad of a nine-year-old, I mean, who else would you want your kid to look up to than Ryan Dungey? The dude is perfect. But then as the conversation went on, I realized, like, okay, I had to live his life. No, I didn't want that life. He did have to work way too hard. He was yeah. way too stressed. Even Ricky. Ricky's career is great. Dude, I don't want to work like he worked. I, dude, I don't think Jeremy had to work that hard in his air, and I'm sure he still did. But he was so talented and so good that he could just dominate everybody off of pure skill, and he did it for so long. And you're, I'm with you, A-Ray. The lifestyle that he got to live along the way, <laughs> oh, my God. Like, to be able to be a champion okay, but not have to like live like one all the time, that's right. the ultimate goal. And he's relatively healthy. So, yeah, I, I changed my pick to McGrath after I realized that I had to actually go through their life, and I don't want to do nothing that Ryan did. That's way too hard. Yeah. Me. So, uh, yeah, I pivoted right back to Jeremy as soon as I realized what was what I had to go through to get there. I, I did think it was really interesting, and I like the way JT answers because he does wait. Well, are we talking? You know, are we talking bank account? Are we talking championships? Are we talking? lifestyle overall and like as i'm listening i'm thinking who would i pick you know mcgrath seems easy but i actually kind of fell on Wyndham. he didn't win that many championships but he's so talented he made enough money to live off of you know he invested well he's loved by the fans i mean i thought i thought Wyndham would have been a good pick i was kind of surprised nobody even touched on him and Wyndham was actually one of my favorite writers growing up and, and yeah like that's that's another one that i sort of thought of while i was listening to the show um, yeah, I mean, he's, he's like a country boy, yeah. you know, East coast, Southern, you know, that's something that's kind of cool. And, you know, I feel like he had an amazing riding style and all that. So that's, that's another one who, who had a really good career, but right. I mean, like, what do you, I mean, obviously MC, he, he trained, you know, like whenever he was racing, he trained, he obviously did. But like, if you think about it, like, man, like, the way everyone talks, like the way his things, like, yeah, man, he woke up on a Tuesday, ran a couple miles, went to the track, you know, did his motos, came home, and then it was like, hey, let's go on the boat, you know, or something like <laughs> right, that. Right, right. Yeah. You know, that's that's what everyone makes it seem like. I mean, I obviously, you know, don't know other, you know, I mean, I guess his whole clique would know, but, I mean, dude, that's, that's the that's the dream right there no Ooh. doubt you know and then Zacho comes on later and he picks rc and james you know perfect they had a couple perfect seasons um but same thing i think i think uh rc had to work too damn hard what do you think daniel yeah same thing i, I mean and that's why ricky was so successful is he changed the game he he knew that in order for him to dethrone jeremy he was going to be able to outskill him he didn't have the same amount of talent Supercross wasn't as easy for him. He said, you know what? I'm going to outwork you, and that's my one avenue. And that's what you got to do as a racer. you really got to find what your strength is and just take advantage of everybody else. And for him, that's what it was. So, again, I'm not, I'm not the hardest worker when it comes to physical work. Like, I mentally work really hard. I think about a lot of things, and I, and I, I know how to, like, manage situations. But physically, there's no way I would want to live that lifestyle. Right. Like, the, what, the brine and the diet? Hell no. So oh, yeah. I go back to Jeremy <laughs> for sure. And the crazy thing about Jeremy, I guarantee you there are 250 guys right now who are not even in the top 10 who are working twice as hard as Jeremy had to. Take that into consideration how much the sport has changed. Thank you, Ricky. You caused all that. <laughs> um, but, dude, he just, yeah, Jeremy Jeremy had a good win them, too, because I don't think Kevin uh, probably trained as hard as everybody else. 
So I hate to keep sounding like just a worthless, lazy piece of crap, but anyone who was able to be really successful and not work that hard, that's that's the lifestyle I would have chased for sure. Definitely. Um, okay, so throughout while JT was on, they started talking about uh, New Jersey a little bit, and they discussed you know like how Eli was riding and whether he was bunching or not. Um, from what I was watching, just sitting at home. And A-Ray, of course, you raced the track. Daniel, you're there. You're an ex-racer. The track just looked awkward. It looked like the guys were really having to slow down for the corners. Um, I mean, honestly, at times, some of those guys look like amateurs to me, like how I would ride. Just it, um, Was it the track or was it Eli? What do you think, A-Ray? Uh, well, he passed me like I was sitting still. So it was. <laughs> I felt... I mean, it it definitely the track was actually it was pretty awkward. There it had some soft pockets, uh, you know, like it, the corners were super tight. Like it felt like a rain across track. I feel like Daniel would have just excelled in that, you know. But uh, <laughs> on his Geico Honda, <laughs> but yeah, but you know, but the track like it, I really couldn't get a flow. Like in practice, I was like, I came off the track and I was like. 14th i'm like how in the hell am i 14th well i think I everybody was so having that problem we had we had we had two weeks off and, I, and that's what that's what i i gathered from like the show like um listening to chase sexton yep and uh he was saying that he you know he felt uncomfortable he's like wow i'm fastest qualifier really you know so that's sort of the way i felt as well and yeah the track just sort of had like this certain thing where it just like swallow you up and spit you out you know right um okay so after that they they Kiefer comes on Kiefer's always great but I really want to get into this with Daniel because it was you talked about it a little bit but the Rick Rick thing the the <laughs> busting on Ricky you're in you're sort of in the middle of this thing to a degree you work with Ricky you're friends with Ricky but you know it's fucking funny um and I'll be honest, from what I, I sense, just from listening to a little bit of Ricky, he doesn't seem to take a joke well. But you say, I think you said last uh, Monday night that he is kind of joking, but he's very awkward in his joking. Like he's, I don't know, it's, it doesn't come off smooth with him. So what do you think Ricky really thinks about the joke or being just joked with well, in general? Uh, there's two, two, two things. Number okay. one. If Ricky is your friend and it's like he's your real good buddy, he is one of the gnarliest shit talkers you'll ever come across. Like it's constant, always. Just that dude. This is how he is. He, he'll go at you nonstop. Like we went out to dinner and had drinks afterwards, and that AJ Allmendinger was there. And the things that those two were saying to each other, I couldn't believe. And that's because they're buddies. So I think Ricky trying to be a little bit sarcastic back towards the Rick Rick thing, but also doing it in a way where he's not really with a buddy. Yeah. It came across maybe wrong, but dude, trust me, when I told him about it, he laughed. And the truth is, the reason why he's laughing and he's really not that bad about it, he wasn't the one who was saying Rick Rick right. on their podcast. Yeah, was Jeff it? was the one who was saying it. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if Ricky is probably hammering Jeff over that. <laughs> Because that's just how he is. So again, he, I don't think he's offended by it. He was more confused by it. And when I told him what it was, he busted up laughing. Because Ricky, Ricky's, even though Steve and Ricky are whatever the awkwardness with those two, and they and they make make it yeah, they have like a, a lot worse than it is. Or good sense of humor, I guess you could say. Like both of them really do. The sad part of that is they would actually get along really good if 
they could get past 2003. Apparently, right. Ricky threatened to shoot Steve, which I still don't believe. I think Steve's full of shit. I don't think that's what he said. There's no way. Like, Ricky's going to come off the track, really, Steve, and tell you he's going to shoot you at the Supercross? Like, come on. Steve's full of it. Well, but, I've always thought that, like, I've always thought that story seemed a little bit far-fetched. You know, maybe he said something similar and it's changed in Steve's mind because, like, who says that other than, like, a, a mobster or something, you know? <laughs> like, yeah, like, Ricky's got some history. Like, yeah. he's going to just Buffed a nine out of his box pants, right. put one in Steve for no reason. Like, but hey, but maybe he did. I mean, when you're mad, you say things that you might not mean. So, sure. my, my point is, those two would be incredibly good friends if they could just put it behind them because they're both very funny and they both like to talk crap. But again, if anyone should be upset over this, it should be Emic. He's the one who. Rick, Rick, and he's also the one who edits the show and didn't edit that part. Ricky had nothing to do with it. So uh, okay, it's really, it's really funny, and it's funny how it's turned into this thing. And the reason why it's turned into a thing is because it's podcast battles and podcast wars. And I mean, I won't say the specific moment, but I know when we started our podcast, Steve took a couple shots at me, and I never even brought it up because I don't care. I thought it was funny. And it's just, it's silly podcast wars, and that's all it was. And it was a great opportunity for Steve and Kiefer to hammer them on their first episode because, dude, it was funny. Like, yeah. when I heard their first episode, too, I was like, really, guys? You didn't edit that out? So yeah. it's, it's turned into this crazy thing when all it really is is smoking fun, and it's, it just happens to be two people that don't like each other, even though they should. They literally, they really should be friends. They would be really good friends if they could just get over it. Well, hopefully you can make that happen at some point. Because yeah, I think once it once they get past it, it, it could make there's a good could be some good radio out of it. Um, I'm actually I'm going to shoot to get Ricky on our show pretty soon. So maybe maybe I can I don't know. He good luck. Know Go ahead. Hell is actually about to freeze over if freaking if Steve and Ricky are about to start hanging out. <laughs> yeah, it's not gonna happen. It's not gonna happen because Steve doesn't have the self control to stop poking at him. Right, so it's right. not gonna like he would have to be super cool for a while, but he ain't gonna do that. So right. I got my work cut out for me. I'm already trying. I've been. T- I was texting Ricky yesterday, trying to like plant the early seeds of this thing because it takes. Well, you can race day live. It took me two months to make this happen. I had to slow roll it. So I'm, I'm working on Ricky right now, planting little seeds here and there. But if Steve doesn't just cool it, it's not going to happen. But I, I don't see him stopping. You know what I mean? Like, I don't right. see that. I, I don't see him stopping. No, you're probably right. He's he's uh he's a he's he's loose sometimes. He just says what comes to mind, and but that's why he is who he is. Uh, let's move on to the first guest of the night, Chase Sexton, leading the points, two fifty uh, East now. Great interview, man. Um, I've talked to Chase a few times. He's not always easy to interview, but Steve really seems to have a good relationship with him. Um, and Chase, you know, he, they talk about Austin's aggressiveness, uh, and I, I like Chase's response. He's like, I was kind of pissed off about it, but, like, what else was he going to do? I kind of understand. Um, Alex, you know, what do you think? What do you think about what Chase said, his response to it, and then what do you think personally about the way Austin was riding? I mean, honestly, it's, I mean, it's a championship. I mean, uh, like, Austin, you know, he, he's got a bump, you know, he's got a bum knee and everything like that, and he's, he's starting to see it, you know, slip away. And, you know, at the beginning of that race, he still thought that he had a chance, you know, and yeah. as, and, you know, every point counts. And, 
I think, you know, I mean, he was doing whatever he could. He didn't want him to pass him early because he knew if he passed him early, it might might have been over. I mean, I mean, coming from Austin's point of view, I see it. And then from, you know, Chase's you know, point of view, I see it as well. So, I mean, he, I mean, he answered it pretty well. Um, he, I, I guess he took it pretty well. You know, I guess winning the race helped that. If, yeah. if he doesn't win the race, I think he says something a little bit different. Probably true. Daniel, what do you think? You know Chase pretty well. Um, and, you know, you've, you've seen every round of this thing. You've seen, uh, all, both of you guys obviously have seen Austin just dominate. Um, and uh, he was grasping at straws. Yeah, he definitely was, and I think Austin did exactly what he needed to do. He he had to swing for the fences. He wasn't going to be able to ride mellow and back his way into this thing. There, there was he even said it on his little Instagram video that he posted um, today or yesterday. When did he, when did Austin post that little five part? Oh my god! I haven't yesterday, seen it. I think. Yeah, I think it was yesterday. Oh, well, yeah, but he did. He Austin said. Dude, I had to go for it. I swung for the fences, and he did. What better way to swing for the fences than go right after the guy that you're going up against? And honestly, it worked. Chase, for the next three laps, Austin pulled away from him. It, it actually worked. I think it startled him. It rattled him. Chase, uh, he, it, it put him in a little bit of a weird spot for a minute. And if it wasn't for Austin overjumping that single into the other big one, dude, it, I mean, it was on its way to working. And unfortunately, it didn't, but... Can we, can we talk big picture here? Like, do you guys realize how good this is? These two that are both phenomenal, don't like each other, they're young. I mean, think about the next five to seven years to have guys like that who obviously don't like each other. This goes obviously back into their amateur days. This championship will always be remembered as the one that Austin gave away. Like, all the pieces are forming right now for a great rivalry for two guys who are going to go in there and be a problem for everybody in the 450 class when they get there. So I think big picture is this is, this is great for everybody because there's a, there's some real angst between those two. And I love it. I, I, I'm, I don't know. I'm just sick of everybody being so getting along and friendly. Like this, this sport is too gnarly. You work too hard for everyone to be buddies on the weekend. I, I, I'm looking forward to uh, seeing these two develop into superstars, and I hopefully they don't work it out. I, I want them to not watch it, so I think <laughs> yeah. it'll be for great TV, maybe right. it'll make for uh, great racing. Yeah, the, yeah we, 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 haven't, we haven't really seen a, like a rivalry like this since since maybe like a Leslie Villapoto Millsaps type deal. You know, like you know, it's been a few years. So Dude, I, think, no. I think it's good to see. Hey Ray, the best time ever was Ricky, Chad, and James. They did oh, not yeah. like each other. Yeah. And that was awesome because, dude, it pushed them, and it put they they there were so many like mind games, and I don't know. I, I just want to see. I want that back. I really want to see two guys where I'm on the line and I'm waiting to see what happens because I know they don't like each other. And this race right here, what Austin did, and the way Chase kind of responded, it made it even like worse in my opinion. And I think that makes it better for everybody who watches. So I I, I love it. Yeah, I like the drama a little bit, but then I'm a, I'm just such a nice guy that I'm like, why can't you just get along? Is it that fucking difficult? Um, but that's I don't know. But the drama does make it exciting to to watch. What's you know, you're always wondering, like especially like you said with James and Chad, you just know that one of them's going to take the other one out. It's just inevitable, and and then you always have the fans who are they like one or the other. So yeah, it's hopefully this thing will grow between Chase and Austin because. 
Um, Austin's Austin's aggressive, man. I mean, he he throws it out there, and a lot of people don't like the way he rides. Perfect. We we, we want half <laughs> want half the fans to love it. That's what right. Makes, that's what makes true characters in this sport. If everybody loves the same guy, it's, it's lame. So I yeah, I yeah. Mean, if you're if, you, if people don't like you, it's you're doing something right. So I I I hope that both these guys grow their fan base, and I hope it's. Again, I, I just I, I'm looking into the future. You always look at the health of the sport and know like what do we have coming through the ranks. And I'll tell you right now, in the amateurs, there's a lot of good kids coming up. Sometimes I get a little worried in the 250 class, and there's been a little bit of a gap. And now with AC, Fortner, Ferrandez, Sexton, there, Justin Cooper, there's some young kids coming up that makes me believe that our sport is pretty safe for the next five to ten years, and that's. Uh, Important. We don't look at that all the time, and I, and I think uh, I think we're in a good spot. Yeah. All right. I need to change the tempo well, of the show a little bit because I'm sitting here thinking. I'm well, looking at my notes. Uh, while we're oh, go ahead. while we're on the while we're, while we're on the topic of Chase Sexton, um, Daniel, you made a comment to uh, to him about his riding style uh, on Monday night, and like I see it too. Like he is on the pegs all the time, balls of his feet. Like the dude has so much power in his legs that it's it's incredible how he can just come out of a corner and just pop up on his pegs so easily and as you know even late in the moto i mean i've you know i've experienced it where you you sort of get lazy you want to like see about to jump out of a turn or anything like that see bounce is not in his vocabulary at all he is always on the pegs he's always standing up and driving through the through the jumps all the time and that's that's one thing i like about his riding style and uh, you sort of made a point about his riding style this uh, this past Monday on the show, and I just wanted to say, like, yeah, yeah, I like his riding style too. It's pretty sick. Yeah, and Daniel, you said you also you, while talking about riding styles, you you said something about if you ride supercross too much, you get too technical, and that we need to ride outdoors some more to to not lose that edge speed. Do we in America focus too much on supercross or? Do you think Supercross almost should just take over for the? I mean, it, it, outdoors doesn't pay very well, clearly, um, and it seems to be losing a little bit of luster. Um, Alex, I mean, you ride both still. Uh, what do you think? You think that that what Daniel said is accurate on that topic also? Yeah, you know, I think it's super accurate. We can we can get a little bit precise, like we can sort of like just get into a mode where we just go to the track, do our laps, and it just you leave the track and you're just like, man, I just did a 20, but like it didn't even feel beneficial because you just did the same thing you did, you know, three weeks. So that's, that's one thing I like to do. I like to mix it up. You know, I think it's good to mix it up and ride some outdoors. That's why I think you see, you know, you know, maybe like the, the East West guys, like they're still, they're still going for it and still have that, that good edge to them because they're riding outdoors you know, mixing it up between outdoors and supercross where some of the 450 guys, it's such a long season. I mean, like midway through, they start to, start to get a little bland and then like halfway to like to the end, they start to pick it up back up a little bit because they're riding outdoors and their teeth sort of getting back up. And, and you know, they're having that, that, that outdoor going fast experience, I guess. Right. Um, okay, so I want to skip forward just a minute. I'm sitting here listen, thinking about how we're doing the show right now, and I called in last night or Monday night, and Steve gave me some advice on how I should do this show. Um, and basically, his his critique was 
I need to ask you, A. Ray, or you, Daniel, what you thought of, you know, whatever was said that night. Throughout the show so far, we've, we've gotten off that subject a little bit. We've talked about other things. Do you think, what do you think about Steve's critique, Daniel, on me and how I should proceed, pr- proceed with this show? Is he right? Does he know what he's talking about? Yeah, because this is the wrap-up show where you are actually commenting on the show. Yeah. So I, I know what, what he was getting at is that you shouldn't be asking the guests, hey, what do you think about Chase Sexton versus Austin Forkner? Right. You should start it on, hey, what do you think about their opinions on Chase Sexton? And then, of course, the guest will then give you his opinion naturally. But I think what he meant is, Get the guest's opinion on what was talked about on the show and different people's opinions of it. And then naturally you can go into your own kind of analysis. I think that's what he meant by it. Instead of asking Pookie what she thinks about Cooper Webb's chances in Vegas, no, you ask Pookie what she thinks about Steve's comments on Cooper Webb's chances in Vegas. And then she can also, you know, say, well, I like Cooper Webb because of this. Like, you know what I mean? I think that's what he meant. And I think it's just lining up the dominoes the right way. Start by asking the opinion on what was said on the show. And then let it take itself naturally where it needs to go, and that's that's what I think he meant. And right. I mean, we've done that on this show. We, we're starting out what was talked about in the show, and then it's naturally turning into our own conversation. I, I think yeah. that's the natural way to do it. And like I said, line the dominoes up right, hit domino one, and then let it fall. And yeah. um, I, I think it was right. Yeah, and Alex, uh, what do you think? Steve is Steve right? Does he know what he's talking about with the podcast? I mean, numbers don't lie, bro. <laughs> exactly. I, I'll tell you right now, he's got about 10 times the, the listeners that our show does. So I will follow his instructions uh, to the T <laughs> as best I can anyway. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, All right. Good. So Zach Osborne. Yeah, let's be clear. Let's oh, be clear. Kenny Watson built Pulp MX, So. Well, oh, yeah, of course. And Paul Lindsay. Yeah. If it wasn't for Paul and Kenny show would have never even got off the ground and i'm, I'm obviously just kidding but <laughs> I, I guarantee steve's fans right now are like oh my god I'm just oh yeah joking. you're gonna get blown up on twitter and they're gonna tag watson and it's gonna be a whole big thing good it's just a joke i don't have twitter so go oh ahead. that's right Back yeah you're just want. you're ig only now so all right so zach osborne comes on and um if you we we did we also had Zach on the Moto X Pod show last night, and I think it was probably the best Zach Osborne interview of all time. But we're going to talk about Monday's interview with Zach. He and Steve have a really really great bond. Um, I, I love the how tight they are together. Zach's just a great guy. Um, Steve asked Zach if uh, Steve deserves to be on Race Day Live, and of course Zacho says yes. Um, but overall, what do you think about Zach Osborne as a, as a person and as an interview, uh, A-Ray, what do you think of the interview with him? He's always a good interviewer. Yep. I think, you know, whether it be on, you know, Steve's show on TV, um, even his own podcast, I think he's, he's really good with his words. You know, he's always, he's just, I don't know. He's a good, genuine dude. You know, I, he he grew up pretty close to Tennessee. I've seen him a lot at Muddy Creek, you know, growing up and mm-hmm. everything. And he was always he was always super talkative, and you know that that was you know that's a good thing whenever you're getting interviewed or anything of that sort. So yeah, I mean he was he was great on the show. You know he had a he had a lot of good points, and yeah, I guess uh, he he wrote one down on the tally for Steve to be on the Supercross Live. So 
that's going to be pretty cool, I guess. If, if is it happening still? Is it still happening or, or no? Uh, well, we'd have to ask Daniel Blair. Um, I, I'm pretty sure he's still in. Well, Daniel Blair, what do you think of Zacho on the show? And uh, is is Steve still a go? Yeah, Steve's a go, um, but it's it's not one o'clock on Saturday yet, so things can change. Um, we'll see how he behaves from now till then. But yeah, yeah he's in. Well, uh, I- as far as Zach goes, what makes Zach good on the show and in general, Zach has a way about his personality of being very. He's a conversationalist, so it it, it doesn't come across as an interview as much. You know what I mean? Like Chase was a good interview. And I can tell that Steve and him know each other, and I know Chase, and there's there's enough there to where we can be comfortable. But it's different when it's someone you know and you're friends with. Like us three right now, we're we're all friends. We're having a conversation, and that comes across better than an interview because then people will be more open, less guarded, less protective. And with Zach, because their relationship is that way, his interviews will always be good because they don't come across like interviews. They come across like just two buddies talking. And then Steve gets professional here and there. He'll ask him like a real question. But for the most part, it's usually just them talking. And I think that when people have that comfort, they can be more open. You know, the wall's not up. They're not wondering, like, what should I say? Because they don't know how the other person might take it. Uh, and that's why Zach's good. That's why most of Steve's, like, real tight guys, AC, mm-hmm. um, even you, Alex, uh, me, when I'm in there, like, it's – there's a close enough relationship to where we don't have to feel guarded, and that's what always, to me, makes better interviews. So it's that's why Zach's always good. I mean, he'll be good every time he's ever on that. But even then, i got to give Zach credit outside of that. He's good in every interview. Every time I've ever heard him in any scenario, he's very good. So I don't want to just give credit to the relationship. Let's give credit to where it's due. Zach is a very good communicator. And um, so he'll be good wherever he goes. Yeah, and, and speaking of that relationship, Steve, listen, Steve is known for, he, he's honest as far to a fault with what his opinion is. And if a rider, even one of his friends like Zach Osborne is having a bad race, he's going to say, hey, Zach Osborne sucked at such and such race. Some riders don't handle that very well, which is where the tension comes with Steve and Jason Anderson or Steve and Barsha in the past. Um, so... I mean, I would assume both of you guys think that's a positive. Alex, you're a current writer. You get criticized, I mean, daily. I mean, we just talked about it on social media. But do you appreciate do you appreciate the fact that Steve is honest and you know it's coming from a professional? I mean, even though he's joking a little bit at times, he, he does it in a professional way. He's trying to be professional media. Uh, and do you appreciate the the fact that he's not just gargling balls as apparently I am with him? No, yeah, I mean, that's, you know, that's all true. You know, Steve, yeah, I mean, he's he obviously knows a lot about the sport and everything like that. You know, whenever, whenever I'm riding shitty, I mean, he'll tell me, hey, like, hey, bro, you like you didn't ride that good. You know, you didn't have that good of a main event. I'll, you know, I'll agree with it, you know. And, uh, yeah, so, I mean, that's that's just how it goes. You know, he's, he's like that with everyone. He's like that with Zach, you know, and, you know, I mean, how he is. You know, he just you know, gives it to you straight, which is which is pretty cool. And uh, like like you were saying, like uh, Daniel, you know, he doesn't really have his guard up. Um, Zacho, he doesn't he didn't have his guard up at all last time. Whenever he was, you know, doing the interview with Steve, like, and I I think he didn't even have the inter- or his guard up whenever you were saying that Sabachi wasn't going to come on his podcast either. So <laughs> he, he took that he took that pretty well. Lots uh, of I mean, digs, lots of Sabachi digs just, Monday night. 
Yeah, Danny, what about you? I mean, you're, you're again, an ex-racer, so you can come at this from both sides. You're an ex-racer who had to deal with media, and now you're media. You're, you're a professional uh, TV commentator, plus you have a podcast, which you don't talk to writers on the show, but you talk to them and bring that stuff to the show and discuss your opinion. So you're, you come at it from both sides. You can be critical. You bust balls. Um, but then also you have to be professional on Saturday night. How do you balance that? And how, and, and do you even, do you look at Steve and, and kind of use him as a, um, like a, a, a measuring stick a little bit? Like, Hey, this is, I like the way he does this. That's, that's a conversation that's actually been happening a lot this year. Um, with the TV crew is these writers and getting them to open up and building relationships with them and getting them to put their guard down and, it's it's tough because I'm in a weird spot. I'm a former racer, so I understand that part. I'm now media, so I understand that part. I'm also part of the TV crew where I rely on these guys and these conversations to help me do my job because if I can't bring something to the audience, then it's like, what the hell are you doing? So I'm kind of in this weird little triangle where I understand their point of view. Like I, 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 I don't like criticism either, but I, I guess I've just developed thicker skin now that I'm in my 30s to realize that criticism is really good if you use it that way. And if someone's taking a cheap shot at you, then who cares? Like, why, why would you even care? So from that point of view, some of these writers are still young. Um, you know, they're, they're still in a weird stage in life where they don't have enough experience to realize the difference between cheap shots and criticism. True. And I think that that's hard, like, for a writer to, like, hey, Eli, like, you crashed twice this weekend. I mean, hey, it's... A zebra doesn't change its stripes. Oh, my God, that's like the meanest thing in the whole world. Well, at the same time, it's the truth. So you can't be that upset because the media is going to cover you the correct way, and it's you who are the one making those moves. So ultimately, you need to look in the mirror and realize, okay, criticism is good. Now, if you take a cheap shot and say, eh, maybe if he shaved his beard, he'd be faster, then it's like, okay, roll your eyes. It's just an idiot out there. You know what I mean? There's a difference yeah. between someone hammering you because they don't like you and someone telling the truth on what you did out there. And I don't think it, it takes age and like a little bit more maturity and maybe some more experience in life to realize that there's a difference. Um, and then on the media side, what supposed to do? Like if you don't say the truth, no one's going to want to listen to you because they're, they're not, they, they know. I think the fans know what the truth is and they want the media to say it. And if you don't, then it's, you know, I mean, it's it's just you, you, I don't think you can get the respect from the audience because they know you're dodging. So yeah. Steve has to balance the line. I got to balance the line, but I think the writers need to realize that there's a difference between calling it as we see it and taking a cheap shot. So uh, you know what I mean? That's 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 the dynamic. And again, it's really hard. I've reached out this year to a lot of the writers and like gone to them face to face and tried to build a relationship. To where that they trust me and know that, okay, I am media, yes, on TV, but ultimately I'm trying to do my job. And if you actually open up to me and bond with me a little bit, I probably lighten up a little bit on you too because I feel like a responsibility to get your message out correctly. And if I don't know, and I don't know what you're going through, and I don't know your problems, then how am I supposed to say the truth? And then you might think I'm like blowing you out. Like for Eli, I hate to use that as an example again, but. Him being injured at the beginning of the year and not letting any of us know, even though we asked every single week, when he's writing bad, what are we supposed to say? Right. Hey, he's writing horrible. He's writing horrible. And then we look like jerks 
When really, if you would have told us from the beginning that there was an injury, we would have told your story, and then you would have looked like a hero because you were toughening it out through an injury. Wow, he got a podium, and he's been hurt this whole year. Instead of wow, he got a podium, he must suck this year. Right? What's so what's it's not wrong? our yeah. fault? That, yep. It's not our fault. We don't get the information. But again, that goes back to not trusting the media and and try to be protective. And, and again, it's a major disconnect. And if the writers realize that if they were more open with the media, they'd get more fans, and then the fans would be a little bit lighter on them when things weren't going right because they would feel for them, they would understand them. The more secretive you are, the more protective you are, the more people are going to guess, and they're probably not going to guess the right way. They're going to guess a lot more critical. Yep. And then guess what happens? Now you're pissed because people are saying things about you that aren't true, even though they have no clue. It's, it all comes back to being open and honest, and I think that's one of the biggest problems with a lot of the writers. And and that the next generation starts learning that, and we can kind of fix that. Because I don't think every sport's that way. I think this sport has a major problem with that. Oh yeah, I totally agree. And I want to talk a little bit more about that stuff with the when I get to the race tech rant, some of the stuff that you touched on. But before we finish, finish with Zacho, um, he talked about uh, an aggressive pass. I guess he made on Baggett, and Baggett was mad. Steve then says, "Oh, I wonder if that's what Tom Baggett was talking about afterward, after the race, out in the pits." Um, but he wouldn't say what Tom Baggett actually said. I wanted to hear what Tom Baggett said. Uh, hey, Ray, do you think Steve should have went ahead and said that? I mean, because, like, he, who's he protecting? I mean, he should. I think he should have told us. Yeah, he definitely should have told us. That's, you know, I mean, hey, like, why, why are you leaving us in the dark, you know? Yeah. But, uh, but nah. that's, the kind of, that's the kind of beef that we all want to see, unless it's, like, super normally, you know, like, I guess I guess you don't want to throw anyone under the bus because you got to see those people every weekend. You know, I guess you know that's sort of. I yeah. guess now I got to disagree with you guys a little bit on the problem with that scenario. Okay, it wasn't that Steve didn't say what it was. He should have never teased it because there's no way he was going to actually say it. You're not going to ruin a good source, especially someone that you built over the year, like someone that you can go to for information. You're not going to blow that source out on something like that. So where Steve messed up, either a, either two things. Either one, he should have never even brought up that uh, Tom Baggett said. Is his name Tom? That's yeah, it. yeah. He should have never brought up that Tom Baggett something. Or, or Steve's just joking and Tom Baggett never said anything. That is a huge possibility, too. Steve's, Steve's funny like that. He's provocative. And I think he might have been taking a shot at Zach and just being silly. Baggett said might not have said anything at all. Just take that into consideration. Okay, I'm, I'm not I'm not buying that, but I'm going to let it go. Okay. All right. So you guys talked about going out to dinner with AJ Almendinger, RC um, Weeds was there. I just want to know what's the etiquette when you're out with guys that make that much money on who lets who pay. You know, Weeds is cheap. Um, a Ray, you're you're a hardworking guy. You're not making you know two hundred thousand a year. If you go out with uh, some guys like that. What's the etiquette? Do you just not say anything, or how do you get away with not paying? Well, I mean, you just you just let everyone else get get hammered first, and then they really just don't care. And they're okay. like, "Hey, I'm buying shots." Oh. <laughs> you know, you just go in there, you go about it as cheap as possible. That's you know, that's how. <laughs> All right. But, I mean, but yeah, like I don't, I don't know how I would go about freaking drinking with the goat or yeah. AJ Allmanger or anything like that. So 
Well, I mean, yeah, they, they make way more money than I do, so I'd be telling them like, "Hey, man." Exactly, but and I, the reason I ask is because I know Weege is so cheap, and Weege probably makes pretty decent money. I would have to assume. I'm sure he makes more than I do, but he's going to try to get out of it by not paying. Daniel, you were there. What I mean is, everybody just loosey goosey, and somebody just grabs the check. Well, luckily, AJ Allmendinger is not a regular, and I think he felt like, on behalf of being welcome to the team, he felt obligated to pay. He was also pretty trashed, so take that into consideration. <laughs> Um, but I got screwed by Rob at the beginning of the year. They were like, hey, come out to dinner, like, whatever. We went to this super fancy place where we actually had like a private room and everything. And I thought I got invited out like I was being taken out. Uh, when the bill came and all of a sudden everyone's like, hey, so how are we splitting this? <laughs> I was freaking out. It was like a $65 steak, which tasted like ass. And I had to freaking pay, after tipping everything, probably about 90 bucks for that, a couple drinks. And I thought I got invited out to dinner and was getting taken out for dinner, when really I got played into a horrible dinner, super expensive. And, yeah, so you take the proper etiquette is to feel the situation out. And when in doubt, just, again, like A-Ray said, get someone real trash, and hopefully they're the ones with the most money, and then you should be safe. Awesome. All right, let me do a quick little sponsor read here, some of our key sponsors before we move on. W Wheels, Guts Racing, Get Data, Firepower Batteries, EVS Sports, the best hand cleaner in the world, of course, Eagle Grit, MotorcycleIndustryJobs.com, LAHondaWorld.com, FMF Racing, Roost Graphics, Atlas Brace. Uh, thanks for all those guys that do so much for the Pulp Show and actually have allowed this show to happen. Really, really appreciate it. It means a lot. Um, okay, so Will Christian comes on. We talked about her a little while ago. Um, one of the things she talked about is teams being transparent, uh, or it came up in the conversation, why are teams so secretive? We touched on it a little bit. Um, there's, I don't know if there's a, a, a one specific reason. We've heard riders say, oh, well, if I say I have a bad knee, then my opponent may go for the knee. Um, I know that Steve, has his, one of his race tech rants has been this numerous times, how secretive it is, how ridiculous it is. Um, how, we, we, we kind of agree that it's a little bit silly, but how do we change it, A-Ray? Um, if you have an injury, I mean, you're not you're on a factory team. I mean, I, I don't know how much they talk to you about stuff like that, about what to keep in, what not to say. Uh, does it come from the team, or does it? do you think it's individual? No, I think, I think it comes from the team. They, they don't really want us to get out. Obviously, sometimes, you know, you know the riders they'll they'll tell someone that they're they're close they're close with like whether it be their doctor or you know a friend and then and then that friend won't take it you know their work too seriously and then they'll tell someone else maybe that's how rumors start and stuff like that but I think for the most part um, yeah I think I think a lot of that comes from the team they just keep it hush hush you know like because they obviously pay the you know their riders a lot of money you know and. And if it's something that they don't want to get out, you know, because if maybe if their riders hurt, they don't want to let their sponsors know that their riders hurt or the extent of how hurt the rider is. Because then maybe their sponsors would be calling them like, hey, you know, like, what the fuck? Like, I hear your riders hurt, you know, like we're paying you X amount of money. Like, you need to figure your shit out. Okay. So, you know, maybe, maybe that's, maybe that's something to do with it. I don't, I don't really know, but, uh. 
but yeah, and, and then maybe you know Steve made another good point. You know how like yeah, oh, if, you know someone broke their knee or or hurt their knee, then the their competition will go straight for the knee or something like that. You know, like oh, he's got a bad right knee. You better watch it this weekend. You know, like <laughs> yeah. So yeah, you, you never. I, I feel like it's it's a lot of variables into one. You know, that I, I feel like whenever they're they're you know signing these contracts and paying people a lot of money, I guess they take every variable into consideration. Right, and Danny, you know Will very well. Uh, you worked with Georgia Lindsay last year a little bit, um, or what? No, not Georgia. Um, Jenny. Yeah, Jenny Taft. Sorry, Georgia's outdoors. Sorry. Um, these the late the women do seem to have a little bit easier time when they walk into the pits of, of getting information out of the riders. I mean, look, a Ray, you're a guy. I mean, like, who would you rather talk to, Daniel or or uh, Will? I mean, right? Oh, I'd way rather talk to Will, but I got to deal with with freaking Daniel because he's the only one who'll come up and talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got to get back on that factory Yamaha ride to get the the, the higher ups to talk to you. Oh, I know, I know. I would way rather talk to Will though. Right. Well, Steve, you know, talked about her doing a good job and, and how it seems to be easier for Danny. Danny, do you see that? As I mean, you're you're in that position. Do you see it easier for her that she can just walk up to a team and maybe they don't even know who she is necessarily in the beginning, but they're more open to being honest with her, or, or do you not agree with that? You ever seen? You guys seen the movie Liar Liar? Yeah, it's been a while. I don't think I have. Uh, remember when Jim Carrey all of a sudden couldn't lie and he goes to work and he gets in the elevator with a chick and she's like, "Hey, how are you?" And she's like, "Good." He's like, "How's everything going?" She's like, "Oh, everyone is so nice to me here." <laughs> and he, and he, do you know what he said next? I forget, but I remember the it's something about the way she looks. Yeah. Um, because be honest, or something, right? Yeah, he's like, yeah, it's because you got incredible jobs. Yeah, yeah. Word, exact word. But my point is, yes, like, if you're a writer and you have these media guys or TV crew guys coming in and poking around, yeah, you're going to be a little bit less, like, willing. But when a chick comes around, they you, you feel like they mean less harm. They're more attractive to look at. Even if your chick's right there, you get a chance to flirt a little because it's for your job. Like, I, you know what I mean? Like, it's just for the writer. Yeah. I'd way rather talk to a chick. Like, way rather. Right. And so that's, yeah, she's got an unfair advantage. It's, it's again, she gets information out of Eli Tomac. However that is possible, I mean, geez. Like, I, well, I've been working on that one all year long. I've gotten nowhere. Okay, so when you said that that night, like, I've only I've talked to Eli probably four times. You know, I don't get to go to very many races. But the races I've gone to... He's always very, very friendly with me and laughing and joking. I do try to touch on stuff that everybody else doesn't, but I, I sort of feel like Eli, I don't know. I think Eli has a trust issue, but I, he, I get stuff out of him. I, I, I like talking to Eli, to be honest. I am so stubborn that <laughs> I, I, I've gone like probably at least six or seven times this year and tried to get info. Yeah. And I don't really get anything from him, but I just keep going back for more because I, I, I feel like he's annoyed with me. <laughs> but I keep going back almost like deliberately because I think he's annoyed with me. You right. know what I mean? Like I keep going back and like, well, yo, bro, how was this week? <laughs> and I get nothing. Yeah. And the next week I just come back and I do it again, and I'm just like I'm trying to break that wall down. And sure. for whatever reason, I I haven't got anywhere with him. I, I've had a hard time with him. Um. 
Roxon was a little tough at first, but I've actually gotten pretty far along with him now. I actually was able to schedule a conversation where I could go one-on-one with him in the semi and just kind of talk some things out. Nice. So I, well, and I let him know, like, my intent. I said, look, man, I'm like your public brand manager on television. If you tell me what's going on and, and we develop a trust and a relationship, I can bring your information out to the public in a way that – you know, you don't feel as damaging. You yeah. gotta, you gotta work with me though. And he was kind of cool. And then, like two weeks later, out of nowhere, I'm sitting down before the night show. He comes down and sits next to me and just starts telling me everything. And I think what nice. I did was I earned his trust. Like I, I, I told him my intent, and then went out and did it. Like showed him that night. Like I gave the information that he said. I framed it in a way that wasn't damaging. I think he finally realized that. Okay, I can be open with this guy. He's not going to blow me out. He's not here to hurt me. In fact, like, I can get my message to him that I can get that out. And, again, and it, it, it helps me. And then when he's on track and I have something to say about him, I obviously am going to try to grow his brand to the public and sell his, sell his problems in a way of telling how he's overcoming them instead of just like, hey, here's his problem. You right. know what I mean? It's like, it's like I'm, I built trust. And, again, I've been trying to do that with a couple riders. Eli's not the only one. And I poke at Eli a little bit just because he's been so hard for me. But – there's a couple other ones out there that really just haven't allowed me to get past that wall. And again, it goes back to what Alex was saying too. It's just the teams and the, the, the writers, they're so trained over the generations to do this. And that's why right now, man, I am working on Forkner, Sexton, the next generation, man, I am getting in with them early. Yeah. So we can kind of try to like cure this problem. Cause it is a problem. It's Shit. ridiculous. The, our show, um, and, <laughs> With our show, we're going even a generation below. Like, I'm already becoming tight with Carson Mumford and Ryder D and Jet Reynolds because I'm like, okay, if we can stick around that long when those guys come in, we're in. So, right. All right. Well, and that's, again, that's, that's the ultimate goal, though, is, I mean, I think we all care about the sport. The sport will be better when these riders and teams realize that they have the potential to brand themselves so much more if they quit being so secretive and sneaky and yeah. lying about injuries give me a break it's ridiculous or, or whether and, um, or whether or not you signed your 450 deal yet <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's a story we'll talk about that on another day yeah <laughs> well hey we're, we're you know what i mean though yeah yeah i do we're, we're we're coming up on our hour time limit and i want to hit hit a couple more high points real quick um the race tech ran of the night. Uh, Steve was was going on about the social media and selfies. Um, it was pretty damn funny. I really love the the race tech rant. Uh, it's one of my favorite moments when he really gets going. It just and, it, and these things seem to last for years once they get going. Um, what do you think, Alex, of the the social media selfies? What do you are you on board with Steve's opinion, or do you like taking selfies? You know, I'm, I'm a little bit both. Like, I mean, I'm on board with Steve. You know, like it, it, like it gets a little bland whenever you know. I'm guilty of it. Sure. I post nothing but fucking dirt bike photos on my Instagram. Like, I mean, I, that's just what I like. I like, like, damn, I ripped the corner today. Hey, or like this weekend. Like, if there's like a good shot that a photographer took, you know, like, you know, I, I kind of want to post it up on my social media. And I don't really do that good of a job of of posting other stuff, you know, like, I mean, I'll post stuff on my story, like, you know, like my dog or anything like that. I understand where he's coming from. Um, but, but yeah, like there's, there's a few guys out there that they're, they're pretty far out there. Like I'm talking like straight, no shirt, like 
how's my tan looking today? Like what? Like like where's the bitches at? Photos like you know, there's a few there's a few writers out there, you know, that I that I do see, you know, that that comes off a little douchey, but I mean, for the most part, I mean, I guess we're all guilty of it. A lot of us dirt by guys, but uh, you know, I mean, I can see the average consumer. You know, I can see what Steve's where Steve's coming from. He's like. He's talking about the average person doesn't want to just see me riding a dirt bike all the time. He wants to see, like, what I actually do in my daily life and that I'm actually not a robot. And I do ride dirt bikes, and I also do other stuff, you know? Right. All right, yes. Daniel, you're you're a little bit older than A-Ray, younger than me, um, but you're not a big social media guy anymore. You've kind of kind of crossed the line where you, you do it just a little bit because you kind of have to. Um, but what do you think about it? you get in trouble? What's would that? you get in trouble, Daniel? Like, would you, Daniel, did you get in trouble? Were you in somebody's DMs or what? what what's going on, bro? Maggie bro, would beat that give me ass. A break. Maggie, yeah, dude. Yeah. No, here's what it is. Here's what it is. I don't like social media. I think it's one of the biggest downfalls to humanity. I think it's destroying people. Like, honestly, it's. Just, I think it's the stupidest, worst thing that's ever happened to people. Um, but I have to do it because. Like I said, let's. I mean, like you said, it, it, I I have to have a presence out there with the way that my kind of career is where it's going, and and believe it or not, it it, it's, it matters a lot, and it matters a lot to writers to have a lot of followers and get a lot of likes. It's just become what it's become. I personally don't like it that much, but I do what I have to do, um, and I get Steve's rant too, as far as you know the what he say the bang insta bangers or whatever he said. I, uh, yeah. I I've been. I've been throwing things at him the last two days since he said that. I've been posting pictures of him on my Instagram and just hashtagging bangers. Um, but no, I um, I don't know. It's it, what bugs me more is chicks, dude. Chicks on the internet. Like, if you go on the Instagram, and I feel bad right now because I'm going to probably piss off a lot of people. But if you go on your Instagram right now, and the last like, I don't know, eight to ten photos are like selfies of your face, like. Come on. Like, that's what pisses me off. Like, dude, mix it up, you know, talk, show your friend, whatever. But I, I've had to unfollow a bunch of chicks because I follow up, I look at their profile. Not like I'm getting in trouble, A-Ray. Don't th- I know where your brain's going. But you know what I mean? Like, I just, I'm just scrolling through, and it's like, damn, every single one is a selfie. It's like every four hours. Like, that's what's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. So maybe, I think Steve's thinking the same thing, but he's kind of calling out the writers, whatever. But for me, that that's what bugs me more than anything is, like, the constant profiling of yourself over and over and over and over. It's just finally, dude, you got to click the unfollow and <laughs> yeah, that's just how it goes. I understand. I, I'm not, I'm not disagreeing. Um, I do like seeing some of the writing videos. Most of the time I just kind of skip through them though. I just, hell at this point there's, you, you start following so many damn people. You can't see them all anyway. All right. I'm going to be honest. Yeah. I'm going to be honest. Go ahead. I made an Instagram for my dog. Yeah. And I don't even use my normal Instagram anymore. I just use my dog's Instagram just to look at dog photos, like, stuff, <laughs> like puppies and, and stuff. So that that's where my I, – I was all about social media, like, this time last year and, like, this time – or, like, you know, going into the summer and all that stuff. Like, I was into it. But for, for the most part, I just get on social media to look at dogs now. All right. Really weird. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. Uh, okay all right so i want to i want to hit on two more things and then we're going to do the bto hot takes and we'll wrap this up um all right steve talked about a writer who has pictures of himself all throughout the house i have a theory on who it is 
think it's pretty funny. Um, who do you think it is, A Ray? Oh my God! Or do you know who it is? First of all, if you know who it is, then I, I'm not even gonna ask you. No, I would say like Dakota Tedder. Okay. <laughs> that's a, why that's, Dakota Tedder. Yeah, why? Hold on. What? Why? Dude, I have no idea. It's just that's just my that is just my guess. That's a guy, huh? Okay. Yeah. How about you, Daniel? Do you know, first of all? I don't know. think I know. Okay. And I don't want to say who I think I know because I'm pretty sure I'm right. Okay. Um, so I'll just throw out the most unlikely person. I'll go Alex Martin. <laughs> okay. I remember <laughs> an interview, and it's been a couple years, so I want to say it, with, it was Filthy and Weston Pike. And one of them was busting on the other one about having a bunch of stuff in their house. And I can't remember if it was, I think it was Weston that Filthy was saying Weston had a bunch of like pictures and jerseys or something of himself. That's kind of where my mind went. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Like Nicoletti with Bad News Phil pictures all over his house. Right. It's funny though. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I would know. It's, it's not Phil. It's not Phil. Cause if he has pictures of himself, that means he needs frames. And you know, <laughs> Phil's not going to buy any frames. Right. So no, it ain't True. Phil. Um, and Weston is not, um, the person that I was thinking. So okay. I'm going to, again, I, I'm going to, I'm going to sign out of this one, dude. Fair enough. Okay. Last, last topic, um, that I'm going to skip a bunch of stuff, but Steve really liked the day race. You guys do this every weekend. You're glad to probably get the hell out of there as quick as possible, get back home. I hate the day races. Um, Alex, I mean, tell me, do you like the day races and why? I like getting it done a little bit earlier. Um, you know, like when the main event is like 8 o'clock and then you're done, you do that press. You know, our team has been uh, really good about going to the press conferences this year. You yes. know, even though we weren't top three, you know, we, we you know we're in the main event. We go to the press conference. That's just how it is, and, and we appreciate you know, the, that. Yeah. So um, after we get all that done, it's still you know nine nine thirty. We can still you know a lot of stuff still open for us to get something to eat because usually after a main event, Daniel, I'm sure you know this. Most of the hamburger wants a cheeseburger, wants something, yeah. something to eat. You know, and then usually on the East Coast, you know, if we have a regular race, nothing's open, you know. And now if you have a little bit earlier race, you might still be able to make it to Chick-fil-A before Sunday. So <laughs> Before they close for the day? Yeah, yeah. So that that's, that's my view on it. You know, I mean, yeah, it's a little bit earlier. you got to get up maybe an hour earlier. But, but for the most part, it's nice at night, especially whenever, you know, the team books you a 6 a.m. flight you know, out the next morning, it's just, uh, you get a little bit more sleep. That's kind of what I figured for mainly for travel. But, uh, how about you, uh, Daniel? I'm sure you're ready to get back home to the family. Yeah, I am, but I'll, I'll think about it from a sports perspective more than my own personal one. And I'll make it quick because I know we're running a little late. I believe that Supercross should be the exact same time every single week. And when I say same time, I mean on TV. I live in the West Coast. I'm in the Pacific. NFL football starts every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. I know it's on. I don't have to wonder. I don't have to find it. It's 10 a.m. Right. Supercross should be on at 5 p.m. on Saturdays, no matter where the race is, 
It needs to line up to 5 p.m. Pacific time. That's 8 p.m. Eastern. So people know Saturday night at 8, 8 p.m., I watch my Supercross. And if you're in Anaheim, you adjust the schedule to where you make sure it lands 8 Eastern every single race. So yeah. no matter where you are live, you move it around to where it's consistent on television. And I think that'd be the best. And it needs to start a little bit earlier because it shouldn't be a night. Uh, deal because yes it's too late and people like to party on saturday night i think they would love to watch their supercross and then go out to party afterwards and i think you'd get more kids too so uh okay. i think it needs to be a little bit more of a late afternoon race that needs to be consistent every where you go that way it's on tv every single night saturday at the same time that's my opinion okay uh one more quick question for a ray daniel you do not get to answer this did main event sell out main event moto sell out by going to racer x I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, just end it there. You don't even know. What I, guess, I guess smart move. Yeah, but I mean, I guess he sold out a little bit. But. Well, as as long as they don't change anything, I think we're good. But I think it's just I, I just kind of want to bust on Daniel a little bit. Hell, if Racer what, X what came, is, what does your brother Vincent think of, of you selling out and going to Racer X? <laughs> My brother doesn't know shit about anything. He doesn't even know. I don't think. Yeah, He's, my brother is. He's at the golf so course. My brother, all he does is knows when he's coming on the show, watches the race before, so he kind of knows what's going on, and then just blows out the three or four people that he doesn't like, and then just blows the three or four people that he does like. That's literally the extent of my brother, right there. <laughs> all right, last segment. B- BTO hot takes. Uh, Daniel, give me your BTO hot take. A-Ray, podium finish, Hawaii Supercross. Hell yeah. What do you think about that, A-Ray? You going to get on the podium in, in Hawaii and then go learn to do some surfing, hang 10? Yeah, yeah, I mean, that, that would be awesome, you know, um, a, a podium over there, you know, I, I feel like it, it would be awesome, you know, get some pina coladas, some, you know, margaritaville, do all kinds of stuff over there after I get a podium. That'd be nice. You got to go get eat some poi, go to a luau. And uh, just so you yeah, know, a mahi sandwich. just so you know, the locals, it's Hawaii. The W is a V, so you got to say Hawaii. And Shaka, brother. Shaka. Hey, hey Ray. Yo, I got, you. I got you for the podium, but Chisholm's going to beat you. Woo! Oh, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, Chisholm's got, he, dude, Chisholm's always going to Chisholm, man. He's a brick shit well. That's there ain't no, no, I, Hey, if Chisholm's is going to Chisholm, then he'll still get like 14th. Come on, man. <laughs> he's not going to get 14th at Hawaii. Yeah. Dude, he's, he's consistent, bro. He's consistent. Dude, he is. My, he is hot, my hot take is some local Hawaiian's going to win the whole thing. <laughs> Do they have yeah, I don't know. I'm just making yeah, shit up. Yeah, I think they're going to have a few. We have a, uh, we have a track that's sort of, uh, I guess, uh, tamed down. Yeah. Pretty, pretty tamed down. So, that'd be awesome if some like Samoan comes out there and, and just is like fuck you brother <laughs> taking everybody out yeah for sure alright yeah, uh, everybody out in the first turn what's your hot take uh, Steve Mathis amateur trainer slash man friend for Carson Mumford <laughs> <laughs> that would be perfect All right. yeah that would be awesome wouldn't it could you, could you ever see that right yes that's fantastic. I love it. I love it. All right, guys. 
Let's do these sponsor reads right. one more time. Wrap this thing up. Uh, OGO. Hey, dark side. Yeah, dark yeah. Side. Go ahead. Can I just hang up now? I don't want to hear the sponsor list again. <laughs> uh, sure. Hey, thank, on, right. thank, thank you, Daniel. Thank you, A-Ray, for coming on. I appreciate you giving us some of your time. You guys can hang up. I'll do the sponsor read. And, uh, well, thanks again. We'll see you guys Friday. Right, EagleGrit.com. EagleGrit.com. All right. Thanks, guys. <laughs> All right. OGO Bags, Ride Engineering, BTO Sports, Fly Racing, Vertex Pistons, Vortex Racing, Race Tech Engine and Suspen- uh, Suspension, Michelin Starcross Fives, Maxima Oil, X Brand Goggles, Pro Filter, Works Connection, uh, Atlas Brace, I had to catch my breath there. FMF Racing, Roost Graphics, W Wheels, Guts Racing, Get Data, Firepower, Batteries and Chains, EVS, Sports, Eagle Grit, MotorcycleIndustryJobs.com, Honda World Downey, Darkside at PulpMX.com if you want to uh, give your opinions, if you want to get your hot takes in. And uh, please listen to the Moto X Pod show when you're done with Pulp, when you're done with main event, you got nothing else to do. Check out the Moto X Pod show. We just had a show last night with Ricky Johnson, Cooper Webb, Zach Osborne, and Courtney Lloyd. Pretty good stuff, if I do say so myself. All right, that's it. We'll see you next week. Why would you want to re-talk about the Pulp show?